Welcome to NTD News Today. I'm Kevin Hogan. Let's take a look at our top stories. Congressional leaders unveil a new spending bill. A lot of it is military funding, as well as record high support for Ukraine. A federal court strikes down President Biden's vaccine mandate for federal contractors. The mandate has been in place since September 2021. Carrie Lake's election lawsuit lives to see another day. A judge in Arizona rules that some of her election claims can proceed to trial. A 6.4 magnitude earthquake rocks a county in Northern California, causing widespread power outages and over two dozen aftershocks. Amazon has agreed to stop using seller data to profit its own brands, at least in the EU. The online retailer reached a deal in three antitrust cases. Congress released a new bipartisan spending bill this morning, which would fund the government through the next fall. Federal spending would be increased, and most of the bill's funds are going to the military. Here are the details. Congressional leaders unveiled a government-wide $1.7 trillion spending package early Tuesday. The bill includes around $860 billion in defense funding and $770 billion for domestic programs for the remainder of the fiscal year ending in September. The 4,000-page bill includes another large round of aid to Ukraine, a nearly 10% boost in defense spending, and roughly $40 billion to assist communities across the country recovering from drought, hurricanes, and other natural disasters. This might be the last major bill of the current Congress. Lawmakers are racing to complete passage before a midnight Friday deadline or face the prospect of a partial government shutdown going into the Christmas holiday. The spending package includes about $45 billion in emergency assistance to Ukraine. That would be the biggest American infusion of assistance yet, about President Joe Biden's $37 billion emergency request. Also included is a proposal to ban China-owned social media app TikTok from federal government devices. The bill's release was delayed for hours by a haggling between Maryland and Virginia lawmakers concerning the location of the FBI's future headquarters. Lawmakers are now nearing completion of the 2023 spending package nearly three months late. It was supposed to be finished by October 1st when the government's fiscal year began. The last time Congress enacted all its spending bills on time was in 1996, when the Senate finished its work on the very last day of the budget year. Then-President Bill Clinton signed it that same day. The Senate is expected to vote on Tuesday's bill first, where support from at least 10 Republican senators will be needed before moving to the House. The Biden administration will no longer be able to require the COVID-19 vaccine for federal contractors. A federal court struck down the vaccine mandate yesterday. A three-panel judge of the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals on Monday ruled on the Biden administration's vaccine mandate for federal contractors. The judges voted two to one to affirm a lower court judgment that barred the vaccine mandate in three states. This is after attorneys general of Louisiana, Indiana, and Mississippi sued to challenge the rule. Judge Kurt Engelhardt said in his majority opinion that a broad interpretation of the law could have given President Biden, quote, nearly unlimited authority to introduce requirements into federal contracts. Biden imposed the rule through an executive order in September 2021. The federal government has contracts with hundreds of third-party contractors, and judges said the mandate might affect up to 20 percent of American employees. Indiana Attorney General Todd Rakita, who is one of the plaintiffs, touted the ruling as a legal victory. He said, quote, Hoosiers and all Americans should have the liberty to make their own decisions on whether to get vaccinated. 
That includes individuals who happen to work as federal contractors. No one should have to fear losing their jobs just because they opt against getting a shot. The Department of Justice defended the vaccine mandate in a court filing. They argued, quote, requiring entities that enter into federal contracts to have a vaccinated workforce enhances the efficiency of federal contractor operations. An Arizona judge ruled yesterday that two of Republican Kerry Lake's election case claims can go to trial. The two-day hearing is scheduled for Wednesday and Thursday. Entity's Daniel Monahan has the story. Are you ready to take this state back? Yeah. Maricopa County Judge Peter Thompson dismissed eight of the ten claims Lake raised in her lawsuit. The lawsuit asks the judge to either declare her the winner or hold a revote in the county. The two counts that Judge Thompson approved for trial are the malfunctioning of printers on election day and the chain of custody of ballots. I want to make a pledge to you. I will do everything in my power at this moment to save America. Lake asserts that the printers that malfunctioned were not certified and had vulnerabilities that made them susceptible to hacking. She also claimed the printers malfunctioned because of intentional action. Here's Lake on Real America's Voice. We have a movement that is unstoppable, and the only way they can stop it is if they steal our elections. The bar is high for Lake. She must demonstrate that misconduct occurred with the printers in a way that violates Arizona law. She must also prove that the misconduct caused her to lose votes and that those lost votes affected the outcome of the election. In addition, she will try to demonstrate that ballots were improperly added at a county contractor that handles returned mail ballots. County officials say everyone had a chance to vote and all ballots were counted. Judge Thompson will make a final decision, which will likely be appealed to the Arizona Supreme Court. Lake responded to the news on Twitter, writing, Buckle up, America. This is far from over. Daniel Monahan, NTD News. Former President Donald Trump's tax information may soon be made public. On Tuesday, the House Ways and Means Committee is expected to vote in favor of holding a closed-door meeting to discuss the matter. After that, members will decide what to do next, which could include releasing Trump's tax matters. Democrats are in charge of the committee, so no support from Republicans is needed. Title 42 is staying in place for now. The U.S. Supreme Court agreed yesterday to pause its expiration temporarily. This after 19 states filed an emergency application for a stay. And today's Jeremy Sandberg has more on the development. Chief Justice John Roberts on Monday agreed to keep the border restrictions in place while a legal challenge moves forward. Arizona, Louisiana, Texas, and 16 other states filed an emergency application earlier in the day. They urged the Supreme Court to reverse a lower court's decision to strike down Title 42. Republican attorneys general say lifting the measure would burden their states with additional costs if more illegal immigrants enter. A federal judge ruled the policy unlawful last month. It was set to end on Wednesday. An appeals court denied the 19 states' request to keep the policy last week. The administrative stay puts the order on hold while justices consider the multi-state request. The COVID-era restrictions at the U.S.-Mexico border known as Title 42 allows immigration officials to quickly expel illegal immigrants during a public health emergency and stops them from seeking asylum. Arizona Attorney General Mark Brnovich says getting rid of the policy will exacerbate the catastrophe at the southern border and put the lives of both migrants and Americans at risk. He estimates unlawful crossings to surge from 7,000 per day to as many as 18,000 when Title 42 ends. 
White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre said Monday that the White House is seeking over $3 billion from Congress to address the end of the Trump-era policy. I want to be very clear here. Uh, the fact is that the removal of Title 42 does not mean the border is open. She says the funding will go toward additional personnel, technology, holding facilities and transportation at the U.S.-Mexico border. Those who do not have a legal basis to remain will be quickly removed. And so we will continue to fully enforce our immigration laws in a fair, uh, orderly and humane manner. But again, we need Congress to deliver on the funding that we're requesting from them. According to Customs and Border Protection data provided to the Epoch Times, from December 1st through December 19th, El Paso and Del Rio in Texas counted over 70,000 illegal immigrant apprehensions and close to 29,000 who evaded arrest. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News. Chief Justice Roberts wants a response from the Biden administration by this evening. Homes and businesses are without power in Northern California after a 6.4 magnitude earthquake hit off the coast around 2.30 a.m. local time. It rocked Humboldt County and caused more than 24 aftershocks by 4 a.m. A critical road to the county's largest city was damaged. Social media video showed damage inside one property with domestic items broken and strewn across the ground. At least two people were injured. Over 70,000 people lost power across the county. The earthquake was about 10 miles deep and struck about 7.4 miles from the city, which is about a four-hour drive north of San Francisco. It's been exactly one year since a 6.2 magnitude quake hit elsewhere in the same county. Turning to a wildfire in Colorado, hundreds of people have evacuated from their homes in Boulder County. Officials say the blaze is now 25% contained. It's being called the Sunshine Wildland Fire because it began at a structure near Sunshine Canyon. At this point, it's unclear how it started. Eyewitnesses filmed the white smoke rising from the area. Some videos showed lines of cars evacuating or emergency vehicles gathering near the fire. The Boulder Office of Emergency Management says the fire is now around 16 acres in size. At its peak, the blaze covered about 18 acres. And coming up, how will steep trucking prices affect your holiday feasts? We hear from a member of the industry on what to expect and what could be done to curb food costs just after this break. We have some good news for your pocketbook, gas prices. While some may use a sleigh to travel during the holidays, most of us have to rely on more conventional transportation. And while prices for just about everything are up this season, drivers are finding a bit of relief when they go to fill up. Here's a preview of what to expect on the road. The song says there's no place like home for the holidays, but that might not be true for everyone. We are forecasting 113 million people are going to be traveling for this upcoming holiday period. About 101 million will go by car. AAA is forecasting the third busiest year for holiday travel since the agency began tracking in 2000, topped only by 2018 and 2019. But spokesperson Andrew Gross says people are beginning to return to pre-pandemic level travel, which means crowds at the airports and traffic on the roads. Routes in major metro areas are expected to be especially congested both Fridays, leading into the Christmas and New Year's holiday weekends. If you're driving, you have more flexibility because you can decide what time you're gonna go. And while soaring inflation means you may be paying more for holiday gifts, drivers are catching a break at the pump. 
we expect that gasoline prices could be hovering right around the $3 a gallon level, way below even what we saw last year. Gross notes the global price of oil, along with the less expensive winter blend of gas, is behind the steady decline in prices. But to get the most mileage out of that tank of gas and stay safe on the roads, AAA recommends having your vehicle serviced before your trip. And plan for anything Mother Nature may have in store. Make sure your fluids are topped, your tires are properly inflated. And also, if there's a big storm coming in and you're driving, you can, you know, choose a different route. Next, we get an update from the trucking industry on how diesel supply and inflation could affect your pocketbook over the holidays. Joining us now is Mike Kucharski, co-owner and vice president of JKC Trucking. Pleasure speaking with you today, Mike. Thanks for having me on your show. Everscore ICI says trucking prices are up 35% year to date. What impact is this going to have on the price of food ahead of Christmas? So yeah, you know, food inflation is, is, is killing the American people right now. I don't know. High prices at the grocery store still remain a, a pain point. Uh, nearly every food item is now more expensive. Eggs are, are up 50%, milk is up, butter is up. Milk is up due to uh, supply chain disruptions, uh, the rise in cost of, 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 of cow feed, you know, food pricing in, in October hit a U.S. high, a 10 uh, high of 30%, you know, chicken skyrocket. Uh, uh, chicken and skyrocketed our chicken and meat are skyrocketing. Worldwide food is up thirty percent. It's it's killing the American people. And you talked about the price of eggs. I mean, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, they say the price is up forty nine percent for eggs since last year. I mean, is there anything in the works that you're aware of? New st strategies or bills that are going to give American families a break as they put food on the table this Christmas? You mean, uh, well, what, what we need to do is, is come up with a call action. And right now, I, I don't know of one. You know, policymakers need to, number one, freeze all, all diesel exports immediately until further notice, you know, tackle the supply chain disruptions, because that's what's really killing us right now due to the COVID shutdowns and the repercussions that we're dealing with. We need to get these fuel costs under control. You know, I would say America needs to become energy energy independent again, especially until we can find another replacement for, for, for diesel. That is interesting how you mentioned freezing the diesel exports. Now, what about, you know, for example, trucks right now? I mean, are they are they more or less expensive? And what is your inventory looking like? I mean, uh, due to the pandemic, we had a shrink inventory because, you know, just, we didn't have the drivers available. But now for two years, I have not been able to buy two new, new trucks and, and I buy them in, in bulk. Uh, right now, they're saying sometime in 2023, if I order trucks, uh, I will get them. But they're not really giving me a specific price. They give me a price, but it said it could fluctuate. Uh, my favorite one is and uh, I've, I've been trying to buy new trailers for, for two years and I finally gotten a price uh, and they said that they're going to go up. 32%. I mean, I can't afford 32%. I can't pass those costs down to my customers. They're just too expensive. So what have you done in response? Uh, right now, what we've done is we've been trying to, we've been buying used trucks. And what I've done for the trailers is I've bought brand new uh, refrigeration units and I'm recycling trailers until I could get new trailers. Uh, so, you know, we could keep the wheels rolling and feeding the American people. Being really resourceful. What advice do you have for Americans right now? I mean, uh, I the only advice I say, like the, the better days are, are coming. You know, what I mean, uh, it's 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 a hard time right now. Uh, I, I pray that, that it's going to be better in 2023. Yeah. Well, Mike Kucharski, co-owner and vice president of JKC Trucking. Always great to hear from you. Thank you.
the FBI has issued a national public safety alert about extortion scams aimed at children and teenagers. The Bureau warns that more Americans could be targeted over the holiday season. The FBI said it saw a tenfold increase in reports of sexual extortion schemes aimed at minors. That's for the first six months of 2022 as compared with the same time period in 2021. Many of the scammers originated from the West African nations of Ivory Coast and Nigeria, although it's not clear if it's a coordinated effort by one group. The FBI said predators convince the minor to produce a compromising video or photo and threaten to release it unless they send money or gift cards. The agency said, quote, the shame, fear, and confusion that victims feel when they are caught in this cycle often prevents them from asking for help or reporting the abuse. An Alabama coal fuel plant called Bluestone Coke is fined nearly $1 million in civil penalties. This is a company owned by the family of West Virginia Governor Jim Justice. The settlement is between Bluestone Coke, the Jefferson County Department of Health, and a Birmingham environmental group known as GASP. The plant has been shuttered since October 2021 after the health department denied to renew its operating license. The department filed a complaint against the company in August 2021 under state and local air pollution regulations. Around half of the fine will go toward the health department's Sustainable Residential Industrial Buffers Fund. A former director of finance at New York University was charged with fraud. Cindy Tapp is accused of diverting $3.4 million from the school. The money was intended to fund minority and women-owned businesses. Tapp was the director of finance and administration for NYU's Metropolitan Center for Research on Equity and Transformation of Schools. The alleged fraud began in 2012, soon after she came to the position, and continued until school officials confronted her in September 2018. Tapp allegedly diverted the money via two shell companies she had created, and she's accused of using the funds to renovate her home and other personal expenses. Tapp is charged with money laundering, grand larceny, falsifying business records, and other fraud charges. Zebra and giraffe bones that a traveler brought back to the U.S. from Kenya as souvenirs were seized by authorities at a Washington, D.C. airport. Customs and Border Protection says it was a follow-up search of a woman's baggage that discovered the bones. The D.C. area resident admitted she found the zebra and giraffe bones during her trip to Kenya and brought them home as keepsakes. Customs officials say possession of the bones violate parts of U.S. law, including international trade in endangered species and the Lacey Act. The woman has not been charged. An official says souvenirs like those can potentially expose people, pets, and agriculture industries to serious diseases. Customs authorities say during a typical day, its agents seize a few thousand prohibited plant, meat, animal byproducts, and soil items. One Massachusetts man is a six-time jackpot winner. It all happened at the same time, though. Raymond Roberts bought six tickets using the same numbers. They are combinations of anniversary dates and birthdays, the same numbers he's been using for more than 20 years. Well, they finally paid off. The jackpot he won is called $25,000 a year for life. Multiply that by six, that's 150 grand a year. Roberts took the cash option on five of his prizes, which amounts to a total of just shy of two million bucks. He's taking the final winning ticket in annual payments. Robert says the first thing he wants to do is buy a motorcycle. Coming up, the lawyer for the ex-Marine wanted by the U.S. shares his thoughts on his client's possible extradition. His client faces four charges related to training Chinese pilots. 
and over 2 million people could die in China. A new study predicting a death peak in January. We'll have the details soon when we return. Welcome back. A former U.S. Marine pilot is accused of breaking U.S. arms control law. The U.S. is requesting his extradition from Australia. His lawyer comments. We've provided many such reasons to the Attorney General, including the fact that the extradition is doomed to fail as dual criminality will not be met, including the fact that this is a political prosecution and Mr. Duggan will have the ability to raise a political objection by the nature of the offences themselves, being offences which are intended to preserve America's political and or geopolitical interests of the type that Australia does not have. The lawyer said his client would be released if he doesn't receive notification by December 25th about Australia's extradition decision. Daniel Duggan is accused of training Chinese military pilots to land on aircraft carriers. A 2017 indictment unsealed by a Washington district court this month shows that Duggan faces four charges in the United States. He has denied breaking any law. The indictment also lists an unidentified British national as a co-conspirator. Australian police have searched the property of former British military pilot Keith Hartley, but have so far not charged him. Hartley is seeking a judicial review of the police search warrant in Australian federal court. Speaking of the air capabilities, the U.S. and South Korea are conducting joint air drills. It's their latest display of force against North Korea. The U.S. Air Force sent over B-52 strategic bombers and F-22 fighter jets today. That includes the F-22 Raptor fifth-generation stealth fighters, which are currently based in Japan's Okinawa. It's been over four years since those fighters saw action in a drill with South Korea. Just hours before the drills, North Korea condemned Japan's new security strategy, calling it dangerous and vowing counteractions. The nation also warned of another imminent test of an intercontinental ballistic missile. North Korea fired two medium-range ballistic missiles off its east coast on Sunday. The country said it was to develop a reconnaissance satellite that it hopes to complete by April. Funeral homes in Beijing are running 24-7, an upsurge reportedly linked to COVID-19. Several health data institutes have run models to predict the casualties, and they're seeing shocking results. Let's zoom in. A catastrophic scenario could play out in China over the next three months. Over 2 million deaths from COVID-19. The forecast model comes from health data analytics company Airfinity. It also sees the possibility of up to nearly 280 million infection cases across the country. The result is similar to other expert predictions. The populations at greatest risk in the world are those that have avoided a lot of transmission and have gaps in vaccination. Uh, And that's exactly the case for, for China. That's because China hasn't vaccinated enough of its elderly people instead focusing on a strict antivirus policy called Zero COVID-19. With the country seeing a major virus surge, Airfinity says death would peak in January, while cases may peak in December. That would put China's death toll higher than the United States, with around 1 million deaths since the pandemic began. In Beijing, demand for funeral and cremation services has skyrocketed. 
A worker at a local funeral home told the Financial Times that his facility cremated 150 bodies on Wednesday, up from just a few dozen on a typical day last winter. Beijing authorities reportedly tasked that local funeral home with cremating those who died after testing positive for COVID-19. Other funeral homes in Beijing were reportedly operating 24 hours a day. There's also a week-long waiting list for an opening. Elsewhere in northern China, a video surfaced online over the weekend showing dead bodies lined up in the local hospital. As concerns over the situation rise across the nation, a worker at one of Shanghai's Christmas markets explained the event saw few visitors over the weekend, noting that people are, quote, too scared to come out. As COVID cases surge in China, authorities are dealing with mistrust and skepticism about vaccines, and the U.S. Embassy is pausing applications for Chinese citizens requesting a U.S. visa. NTD's Tiffany Meyer has the story. China is trying to get more of its elderly population vaccinated against COVID-19. But it's facing a major hurdle. Many elderly people still fear the jab could do them harm. Over the weekend, health workers went door to door to administer vaccine doses to the elderly. The move comes as the country struggles to reopen amidst a surge of COVID-19 cases. China's official vaccination rate is above 90 percent. But the rate for elderly citizens who have gotten booster shots is only around 40 percent. One resident said she doesn't trust the vaccine because of potential side effects. Western-made vaccines are unavailable in mainland China, so the public has largely relied on homegrown jabs. But some people in China remain skeptical over their efficacy compared to their foreign-made mRNA counterparts. In the Chinese territory of Macau, demand has surged for vaccine doses in recent weeks. The bookings are mainly from the Chinese mainlanders, as they can receive mRNA vaccines in Macau. China currently allows foreign nationals to get Western-made vaccines. The U.S. and Germany are partially closing their doors to Chinese citizens for now. As of December 15th, all routine visa services have been suspended meaning that temporarily Chinese people are blocked from applying for American visas. Those services are still available for American citizens. This according to an announcement from the U.S. Embassy in China on Thursday. The same day, the German embassy in Beijing closed its visa office until January 6th. The German consulate in southwestern China also closed for several days. Consulates in other parts of China are still open. Has China's easing of its zero COVID-19 policy caused a virus spike? The World Health Organization, or WHO, is saying no and backing it up with data from China. The organization said last week that COVID-19 infections were exploding in China intensively, well before Beijing rolled back its strict lockdown policy. Earlier this month, Chinese authorities halted one of the country's stricter policies placing entire communities under lockdown when a single infection case is discovered inside them. They also reopened some public spaces. But a month before that change, at the beginning of November, online search queries for the term fever exceeded normal levels by five times, both in Beijing and China's northern Hebei province. The same situation appeared in some other provinces later last month. 
One citizen in northern Luoyang City told us about his experiences. Many families got sick with a fever, all family members included, many friends of mine too. It started after November 20th. I have been infected for three days and feel terrible. China affairs analyst Wang He believes the Chinese communist regime knew about the situation, but tried to keep it quiet. If you have any news tips or feedback for the show, don't hesitate to email us at news.today at ntd.com. And just ahead, nurses in Britain are fed up. They want more pay to keep up with inflation and have gone on strike for the second time in a week. And a 97-year-old woman was sentenced for her role in a Nazi concentration camp. The judge found her guilty of murdering over 10,000 people during World War II. More shortly, here on NTD News Today. Amazon has reached a settlement with the EU over three antitrust cases. The deal saves the company from fines of up to 10% of its global turnover. Uh, today, the Commission has accepted commitments uh, offered by Amazon. Uh, these commitments they address our preliminary concerns uh, about Amazon's practices on its e-commerce uh, marketplace. Amazon's compliance with all these uh, aspects of the package will be ensured by both a compliance uh, mechanism and a monitoring trustee. Uh, the complaint mechanism will be open to, to sellers and carriers to report suspected non-compliance. In the first case, the online retailer is accused of using its size, power and data to market its own products. This puts rival merchants on the platform at a disadvantage. Amazon has now agreed to stop using seller data for its own brands. The second case relates to the ranking of buy box on its website. Amazon agreed to create a second prominent buy box for competitors' products. Amazon also agreed that sellers under its Prime feature can choose their own logistics and delivery services. The European Commission said it would take charge of monitoring the company's compliance with the promises. Now an update on the European energy crisis. The European Union has decided it will set a cap on its gas prices. That's its latest attempt to control high prices after Russia cut off most gas deliveries to Europe. So while it is important that we have today agreed to limit excessive gas prices, it is equally important that we can now move forward with making joint purchases of gas a reality. We can move forward and accelerate permitting. The EU's energy commissioner, Kadri Simpson, says the cap is just the first step to contain gas prices. It took weeks of talks to decide on the emergency measures, but opinions on the decision are divided. The cap will be triggered under two conditions. One, if prices exceed about $190 per megawatt hour for three days. And two, if gas prices are around $37 higher than a global reference price for the same three days. High gas prices have driven record high inflation in Europe this year. A UK nursing union issued an ultimatum to the British Prime Minister today. The nurses walked out over pay and staffing shortages for the second time in a week, piling pressure on ministers to act. Here's the union chief, Pat Cullen, speaking at the strike. 
And the Prime Minister needs to stop hiding behind the media. He needs to get into a room with me and discuss it. That's the respectful thing to do on behalf of the profession. I expect him to do that. I will be available night or day to do it, and he needs to do it before the end of this week. Otherwise, I fear we're going to end up going into a new year with escalation of industrial action that none of our nursing staff either deserve or want to do. We want to be in caring for our patients. We want to be looking after our patients, but we need to have pay addressed. The Royal College of Nursing Union is over a century old, but it's never seen action like this involving up to 100,000 nurses. The union says it has no choice as the soaring cost of living leaves workers struggling to make ends meet. It says its members' real earnings have fallen by 6% in the last decade. It has called for a pay raise of 5% above inflation, which stood at 14% in November. The government has offered nurses around 4% on average and has also declined to discuss pay further. Prime Minister Rishi Sunak says the nurses' demands are unaffordable. Germany has sentenced a 97-year-old Nazi war criminal. The court convicted her of contributing to the murder of more than 10,000 people during World War II. The trial took place in a small town in northern Germany. The judge gave a two-year suspended sentence to Irmgard Fjörkner, who worked as a typist in a Nazi concentration camp from 1943 to 1945. She was convicted under juvenile law as she was only 18 when she committed the crime. The trial was postponed in September 2021 when she briefly fled the country. Fjörkner was captured a few hours after failing to appear in court. Prosecutors say her verdict is a crucial one. Only a secretary is easily said, but the role of a secretary at the time in the bureaucracy of a concentration camp was significant. I believe that it's very important for the survivors, but also for everyone today, that this trial ended with a verdict. I believe the sentence is adequate, but what's important is that there was a sentence in the first place which ruled that she is guilty. After hearing the evidence, the court has decided the accused, through her work as a shorthand typist at the Stufhof concentration camp, knowingly and willingly supported the cruel death of more than 10,500 prisoners through gasification through the inhumane conditions at the camp, through the transfer to the Auschwitz-Birkenau concentration camp, and through death marches. This is likely to be the country's last trial for World War II crimes. Prosecutors said they analyzed all existing papers from the concentration camp and found Fjörkner's signature initials. In her closing statement, the senior said she was sorry for what had happened and regretted her participation in the crime. Leo Varadkar returns for a second term as Ireland's prime minister. In an acceptance speech, he promised to tackle the housing and cost of living crises. As Taoiseach, my mission will be to build on the achievement of 100 years ago and to work on what needs to be done for this generation and the next, providing hope and housing, economic opportunities and a fair start for all. Lawmakers voted to approve Varadkar's nomination to replace Micheál Martin during a special session of the lower house of Ireland's parliament. His appointment was confirmed when he received the seal of office from President Michael D. Higgins, Ireland's head of state. 
Varadkar's return is part of a job-sharing deal made by the country's centrist coalition government. Martin has served as Ireland's leader since an election in 2020 that produced a historic coalition agreement between his Fianna Fáil party and Varadkar's Fianna Gael. The party's once sworn rivals agreed Martin would hold the top job with Varadkar as his deputy for the first half of a five-year term before the men switched posts. Their coalition deal shut out left-wing nationalist party Sinn Féin, which won the largest share of votes in the 2020 election, but was unable to assemble enough support to govern. WikiLeaks representatives are trying to garner support in Latin America to keep the founder, Julian Assange, from being extradited to the U.S. from Britain. According to a statement released Monday, the editor-in-chief and an ambassador from WikiLeaks met Bolivia's president. In the last few weeks, the reps have also met with the presidents of Colombia, Argentina, and Brazil. Assange is facing criminal charges in the U.S. after WikiLeaks published thousands of classified and diplomatic files in 2010. A London court has sent orders to have Assange transferred after a years-long legal battle, but he has appealed. If convicted, Assange faces up to 175 years in prison. And still to come, alternatives to foie gras are offered in France as a severe bird flu outbreak cuts supply. The delicacy is traditionally made from fattened duck and goose livers. And St. Paul's Cathedral in the heart of Melbourne pays homage to the location's indigenous history. New glass panels show the traditional lands on which the cathedral stands. Stay tuned for more on that when we return. have you back. Experts are learning more about the mysterious Nazca lines in Peru. This is thanks to new figures recently discovered as part of the ancient geoglyphs. Earlier this month, a group of Peruvian and Japanese experts published the discovery of 168 new geoglyphs in Nazca. The researchers took photos from the air between 2019 and 2020. Experts say the new geoglyphs found in Nazca are mostly small figures 6 to 20 feet in length on average. The techniques and images are more ancient than the big lineal figures that are already known. The discovery is made up of human and animal figures, from which stand out camelids, felines, birds, and snakes. According to their characteristics, the figures were made by the people of the ancient Nazca culture between 100 BC and 300 AD. The Nazca lines belong to Peru's rich pre-Columbian history. They are located about three hours by road from capital Lima. It's a World Heritage Site, and the lines can only be seen from the air. It's believed the lines were designed to mark trails or roads, but it's complicated to study and conserve the Nazca lines due to the vast terrain they cover. The mystery about the line's origin and purpose remains, but this month's findings will help researchers clarify their distribution patterns and preserve them. Alternatives to foie gras are taking off in France just as a severe bird flu outbreak has ravaged duck flocks and cut supply. Entity's Andrew Thomas has the details on a replacement for the French delicacy. French chef Fabien Borgel created what he calls a faux gras two years ago as a substitute for foie gras. The delicacy is traditionally made from fattened duck and goose livers. We have to be able to diversify our tastes. 
And above all, we're at a period where animal products are more and more frowned upon. And I'm referring especially about the way we make foie gras, which is not the best. Foie gras is considered a classic part of France's culinary heritage. But animal activists condemn force-feeding ducks or geese to enlarge their livers. Borgel's veggie foie gras contains cashew nuts, sunflower oil, and coconut oil. Foie gras remains foie gras. Now, what's the point of trying to reproduce exactly the same thing? I don't think that's what we're really trying to do. Let's go back to the basics of some spices and to trick the eye, if I may say so, because that's exactly what we're doing here. It's having fun with the illusion of eating something that isn't what it seems. France is the largest foie gras producer in the world by far. Output is expected to go down due to bird flu in most of Europe. Producers group CIFOG said earlier this year that prices are expected to rise about 20% due to the drop in supply. Foie gras was officially classified as part of the cultural and gastronomic heritage of France. But some countries and a couple of U.S. states have considered banning it over the animal welfare concerns. Addicts of real animal foie gras will not necessarily find what they are looking for. But when you do eat it, when you're vegan, when you're already used to eating foie gras, as we call it, for me, this is the best. A poll released by French foie gras producers showed 77% of domestic consumers were not ready to make the switch to foie gras. Andrew Thomas, NTD News. For more than a century, St. Paul's Cathedral has stood in the heart of Melbourne. Now the church's impressive entrance will also feature a permanent acknowledgement of the location's indigenous history. NTD's Andrew Thomas has more on the project. Glenn Lowry never meant to be an artist, but when a school colleague asked him to do some drawings in 2012, it changed his life. She said, you should do art. And I said, what's that? The Weirat Juryman has since become the first indigenous canon in the 142-year history of St. Paul's Anglican Cathedral. People can finally acknowledge in a permanent way that they are on Wurundjeri, Wurundjeri country. The self-taught artist has also left his mark on the Melbourne site. He designed glass panels showing the traditional lands on which the cathedral stands. And these windows here at the right time, and I think we can really make some powerful impact moving forward. The project has been more than a year in the making, and the journey to get the screens from concept to installation hasn't always been smooth. Several pandemic-related delays stopped production. Heritage Victoria was also required to give its approval. Eventually, Glenn was able to fire up the kiln to make his designs a reality. But a last-minute misstep by a wayward tourist almost ended in disaster. The glazier said, that should have broken. Somebody is clearly looking out for you. The installation acknowledges the ground at the site had cultural significance long before the cathedral was built. Officials are also hopeful they'll spark deeper discussions around the role of indigenous peoples in the church, as well as the wider community. Andrew Thomas, NTD News. Turning to Romania, performers donned bear costumes from head to toe and paraded through the streets of Bucharest at an end-of-year folk festival. Dressed in various animal costumes, the crews of performers danced through the streets to the rhythm of drums and the sound of traditional Romanian whistles. 
With their chants and dances, the performers are saying goodbye to the old year and are welcoming the new. The tradition is said to date back to the Middle Ages. It may have begun with real bears kept in chains, but now performers dressed up in the bear mask costumes. The colorful procession of people goes from house to house in villages across the country. And just ahead, pink, purple, black, and white are top Christmas decoration colors in Beverly Hills. It's a brighter Christmas this year following two years of pandemic. And wealthy Beverly Hills shoppers prepare to splurge this holiday season. Business is still strong this year despite astronomical price tags and concerns about the economy. We'll be back with more soon here on NTD News. German police recovered most of the jewelry from a 2019 looting in Dresden. The total value of the stolen treasure is about $120 million. The historic heist took place three years ago at the Green Vault Museum. A total of more than 4,300 diamonds were stolen from one of Europe's greatest art collections. Prosecutors believe the thieves sawed off part of the window grill prior to the theft and reinstalled it so they can get into the building more quickly. The recovered items include the star of the Polish Order of the White Eagle and a diamond tiara. The diamonds are being examined for their authenticity. Last night, 31 individual pieces were secured in Berlin, including some that appeared to be fairly complete. This includes the breast star of the Polish Order of the White Eagle in a hat ornament, the so-called Heron's Pride. The seizure was secured by special forces of the Dresden Police Department. The pieces have been returned to Dresden in the meantime. The recovery of the diamonds came after negotiations between prosecutors and defense lawyers. The alleged burglars are standing trial. Pieces still missing include a precious stone known as the Dresden White Diamond. Dresden's director of the National Art Collection described the recovery as a Christmas miracle. Pink, purple, black, and white are trending as top Christmas decoration colors in Beverly Hills. Despite global price hikes, people are shopping again after two years of pandemic restrictions. NTD's Andrew Thomas has more on this season's decor. It's a brighter Christmas this year. This year, we saw a definite increase in foot traffic over 2021. People are here for sure, and they're shopping and they're celebrating. I think consumer sentiment is such that, you know, after COVID, people are looking to enjoy their life and to celebrate with their loved ones. At home goods store Aldic Home, it takes five months to prepare for the Christmas season. Traditional and vintage pieces are a focus this year. Third-generation owner Brian Gold says families have shopped here for generations. Gold says people are spending despite inflation. They're not complaining about the prices for the top-level holiday decor. Things like Christmas trees um, have gone up certainly than, than years before. But we carry the, the highest quality trees, and so people understand that those are going to carry a premium price tag. So we haven't seen much pullback on that. Decorations are also coming in pink and purple gold and white, black and red, and also a trendy black and white. Styles range from vintage pieces to more natural, rustic-inspired looks. Snow trees have been very popular this year. It's a, a great way to accent a color by adding any sort of color to it. It really pops. And it's just kind of a fantasy uh, Christmas look that people have really gravitated towards. Customers are enjoying the new styles, but some say, all in all, Christmas decor can be anything you want as long as people get to celebrate with their loved ones. 
Andrew Thomas, NTD News. Just in time for the Christmas holiday, a Chicago-based snack shop is encouraging people to set aside the usual snacks. It recommends celebrating the holiday season by trying a unique Chicago tradition. Peppermint and pickle thing is a big thing in Chicago, I see. It's a lot of people who come in here and be like, I never saw this. Or they be riding past looking at stuff. So, and we've been open for two years straight. It's an old tradition, but coming out to more people. Besides the peppermint pickle, the store's co-owner says some of his customers also ask for other interesting combinations. These include Kool-Aid pickles, which are made by soaking dill pickles in Kool-Aid mix, and flaming Hot Cheeto pickles, which are made by sprinkling crushed-up Cheeto snacks all over a pickle. Beverly Hills shoppers are ready to splurge on luxury items this holiday season. The market is still attracting business this year despite astronomical price tags and concerns about the economy. NTD's Andrew Thomas has the details on what's available for Hollywood's rich and famous. This 18-carat white gold necklace has more than 600 diamond pieces, bringing the total to 102 carats. The price? $520,000. Another necklace custom made with rubies is slightly more affordable, going for $380,000. Here in Beverly Hills, the wealthy can find the expensive and the extravagant. People are spending money, although there's talks of a recession, people aren't acting like that. Um, they're willing to spend the money for the families, the holidays. Mayor of Beverly Hills, Lily Bose, says people are excited about the holidays this year. She says despite the war in Ukraine, domestic politics, and an uncertain global economy, people are still shopping. The business owners are telling me that this is a really positive year for them. I think people are just really excited to be back out again. So they're in the stores, they're not online, they're out in the stores and, and shopping and, and really having a very, very happy experience. The House of Bijan on Rodeo Drive claims to be the most expensive menswear store in the world. This double pure cashmere top coat sells for $21,000. Another coat with a mink collar comes in at $28,000. Bose says the mood is positive and the holiday energy is palpable. You can just literally walk around and you see people holding their shopping bags with smiles on their faces. They're out dining, they're out shopping. There's a great vibrancy and an optimism. It's great. I think people are just thrilled to be out again, enjoying the holiday spirit. Despite inflation and high prices, the National Retail Federation expects robust spending this holiday season. Sales in 2021 totaled $889 billion. Inflation would account for a 9 to 10 percent increase. Instead, sales are predicted to hike by 6 to 8 percent this year and rake in between $940 billion and $960 billion. Andrew Thomas, NTD News. Christmas came early at a zoo in Belgium. There, animal residents unpacked their presents to find their favorite treats. Zookeepers wrapped the gifts in colorful boxes. Inside were fruits, greens, fish, and other delicacies. A Tasmanian devil jumped around the box to show his delight in the holiday surprise. Then came the herd of elephants pulling fruit out of the boxes with their trunks. But aquatic inhabitants weren't left out either, and the sea lion's gift was tasty fish feed. Pyridiza is a private zoo and botanical garden located in the west of Belgium, home to 7,000 animals. Zoo officials say Christmas gifts are fun for the animals as they share in the festive spirit. 
Along with doling out gifts, the zoo marks the holiday season with giant animal-shaped decorations. Visitors can marvel at the light displays before and after Christmas. That's all for today's program. We're really glad to have you with us. Please send us an email if you'd like to tell us something. We're going to put it on screen. For podcasters, that's news.today at ntd.com. I'm Kevin Hogan, NTD News, New York City.